Hello and welcome to the Drive Time Pod. It's a show where we white bitches talk about whatever the hell we want because it's our show, not yours. Um, my <laughs> just name got is strong Mariah. Jess vibes. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just. <laughs> I got Jess from New Girl vibes like oh. really hardcore while you were doing that intro and I loved it. Oh, great. And I just need cool. to let you know. Well, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Mariah, not Jessica Day. <laughs> I'm Corey. And I'm Sarah. Oh, and this week we're returning to an oldie but a goodie. It's the Enneagram Part Ooh. 2. Yeah, The Reckoning. <laughs> the Reckoning. <laughs> That's right. We called it fan fiction, the reckoning. So now yeah. we have to think of another thing for this one. No, it, that's just the. Re- oh no. Okay, that's just what we call it. The second one. That's just yeah, it. That's, that's just, just it. Are. Or it's just the Enneagram Pardue, like Hot Shots Pardue. <laughs> 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 Great. <laughs> or oh, what's another good? Oh, it's the Enneagram Two, Simba's Pride. <laughs> <laughs> What are some yes. other ones, y'all? Let's do uh, the awakening. Oh, uh, yes, good, the, the awakening. Um, the Enneagram two. Um, the Enneagram two. Oh, uh, Carl's new groove. Enneagrammer and heart. <laughs> more any more gram. A wrinkle in time. <laughs> no, no, wait, no. What is it? What's that Cinderella one called? I can't remember. Oh shit. Oh, uh, what? Mm-hmm. Oh man. The Cinderella? the Cinderella sequel. Did you never watch the Cinderella There's sequel? There's two Cinderella sequels. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my not. god. No, because well, that's not true. Because I did watch the first like minute and a half and wanted to kill myself. Yeah, so no. Oh, I. It was terrible. And Enneagram two, Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Done. Because <laughs> we're all. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Oh man, I'm just gonna keep thinking of them throughout. So the please episode. do. Oh, God. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So I'll just get started. I'm going to just do a brief recap. So if you didn't hear our previous Enneagram episode, that was... wait. Yes? What are we drinking? Oh, right. Sorry. I got excited. I'm drinking water, (laughs) as always. Wow. (laughs) Guys, I'm drinking water. Corey, what? the end of the world as we know it i know she drinks because i drank but not in the evening (laughs) not in the evening no but um i drank so much cold brew today (laughs) that i was like shaking at one point girl what and i was like i need to reevaluate my life you live at seven thousand feet you have to drink water Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is drink eight ounces That's good. of water, not coffee, of water. And then I drink so <laughs> all the much ounces coffee. of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like 32 ounces of cold brew. Like, straight uh, cold brew, or did you have like milk yeah, and mm-hmm, creamer mm-hmm. in it? Uh, the milk and creamer were added after the 32. Oh, okay. Ounces. Mm-hmm. portion because i just have this giant, yeah yeah and i didn't really think about it you know it was just like it was what was happening cool anyway it all <laughs> like i can make excuses but really i just love cold brew nice. so. <laughs> fair enough i'm drinking water mm-hmm. and a malted black sugar milkshake fun because Ooh. i deserve it <laughs> you deserve all the milkshakes yep. mm-hmm my milkshake mm-hmm. bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my second day in a row getting milkshakes. <laughs> Good, oh, as man. you should. 
If I could drink a shake, I would. Oh my gosh. Right? Well, especially since it was a balmy 72 yeah, man, where you it's live. Hot. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yesterday I had a vegan milkshake. Was it interesting? Um, or no, was this it actually one okay? Is insanely sweet. Yeah. Um, the, because it's California. Everything here can be veganized. I know. I love it. I need to stay there sometime. <laughs> just move here. I know. My, my, my thing with all of the like non-dairy ice creams is like they're like, well, we can't put real milk in. So let's put a thousand things of sugar. Oh, no, no. So mm. um, like, if you've ever had like, like, um, I don't know, so delicious, like ice cream mm-hmm. and you're like this is like Ugh, pure sugar. Sugar. Oh, no no the one that i'm drinking like, right now is pure sugar okay. but i also got a black sugar <laughs> milkshake like yeah and then did. i was surprised what does that, that was mean really um so it's like a new trend that's coming out of like the mm. boba bubble drink mm-hmm. realm um gotcha. it's kind of like caramelized sugar um, mm. So they're giving you burnt sugar and selling it as yeah, something special, it's, but it's good. It's just like <laughs> I love LA. It's so sweet. Yeah. Yes. Fair. Also, fair. It's seventy-two degrees here. You can shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> they're like, it's never weather here. We have to do other yeah, things with our time. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, I love it. You're such all a right. grandma. All right, Sarah, <laughs> let's get back on track. No. So, why are we revisiting the Enneagram? Well, oh, and you were going to do a like brief a... recap Sorry. of like what uh-huh. the heck it is because <laughs> it's a weird word. Um, so, if you haven't listened to it, that was episode two. That was in June, guys. That was a thousand years ago. <laughs> oh, that's right. So we forgot to say the the episode you just listened to star wars was our 30th episode we're podcasters guys this is we've made it you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. fantastic so the enneagram is a uh system of nine personality types so ennea means nine gram means shape so it's a nine-figured shape i think i said that last time and it Mm -hmm. still sounds weird when i say it out loud but it's there's like yeah a nine edge shape I don't know there's nine it's points a, in it's the an shape enne- it's an enneagram. <laughs> it's an enneagram it's an enneagram and yeah, so, a parallelogram yeah um, <laughs> yes. you are all one type you don't change but you may not you can often there are mistypes um, where you think you are a number until you do the deep and difficult work to figure it out and then you're like oh actually. And we have a story about that later for you guys. Yes, we do. Um, and last time we talked about how Mariah had also gone through that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, we refer to the numbers by their numbers and not by a word because we don't like to typecast and say that everyone who is a type one is a perfectionist. Um, so please be gracious. Um, and then everyone has a little aspect of all of the nine types. So if you're like, oh, I feel like I do that a lot or that a lot. It's uh, totally valid. And it just, it it's a really good personality type that kind of is more all-encompassing. 
and it's not very specific to like one thing as will become evident has become evident as we've chatted about it before um but yeah that's kind of i don't know it's a brief recap just look it up enneagraminstitute.com we'll give you all the information it's amazing and you can start your journey oh and be wary tests aren't accurate don't treat it like you're taking the myers-briggs and you're expecting them to tell you what you are only you can tell you what you are only you can prevent forest fires exactly only you can prevent (laughs) forest fires and only you can determine your enneagram only you can tell you who you are exactly (laughs) which is yeah Yeah. which is fun so um and as real fun people will come to know have known i'm like low-key obsessed with it (laughs) more like Um, high-key I was going to say, I don't know if it's Loki. <laughs> that exact same ha- conversation happened in my boss's, she's no longer my boss, but she was at the time, office after the rise of Skywalker. I was sitting in there and I was like, yeah, I'm like low-key obsessed with Adam Driver. And she's like, Sarah? I think it's more high-key. <laughs> yes, good. <laughs> I don't know that it's and low. Like, <laughs> I don't know. underestimate everything. And then other people could, because I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know for sure. It's very typical of me. So uh, I want to start off with, uh, we'll talk about, I guess, briefly, like what our numbers are. And we'll end with Corey. She's got a story for everybody. So I'll start. I am a five, which means I'm an investigator, um, generally introverted. We like to do research and are all obsessed with knowledge. And we give we show we love you by giving you fun facts. So, yeah, Mariah. Um, I'm a three with a t- very very strong two wing, um, which apparently after uh, talk just posting memes about it, apparently like half the teachers in my school are three wing twos. I, I was like, love this that. makes sense. This makes sense. <laughs> nice. <to me. laughs> We're all very similar. But um, a three wing, a three is a the achiever. And so our whole thing is about um, image and success. And then like, and what that means. And that could mean different things to different people. Um, but it's all about the grind and um, self-improvement and being like wanting to help people be successful but also be acknowledged for our achievements and then the um my two wing is like the helper um which really plays into the fact that i care so much about people but i don't want you all to know that mm-hmm. so it's a, our little secret keep it safe exactly Between right us exactly. in the world but like um but those two things together mean that I am very, usually I'm a very outgoing person um, and I care, a, like I just want to make sure that everybody is doing their thing and we're all in it together kind of situation. Yes. Yes. We're all in this together. Once we know. We're all Anyway, so yeah, Corey, wonderful. So I am a six, which is the loyalist. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they are, I don't, I didn't really think through like what to, but basically like they're obviously deeply loyal and then they run off of fear mm-hmm. <laughs> and like preparation and understanding what's going to happen next. And then I'm actually a six winged five. Um, yay. So the like investigator and knowledge portion is really what I hook into with the five. Um, yeah, I don't know. What Sarah, what other words do you use for a Well, loyalist? I mean, the way to know just, who your type six friend is, is that they have a go bag for the worst possible situation for everything <laughs> in their house or in their car. Like, I live in Colorado. Is that true, Corey? <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> Not, okay. I do have, I have like a prep kit in my car for mm-hmm. winter weather. And then I have a go bag in my house for when all of the politicians lose their fucking minds and we have to run away yeah. to Canada. Hmm. And I've always had that. I, well, actually, that's not true. I packed it the day Trump got elected in 2016. <laughs> my sister is a six and she would go to the mall with her girls with a rolling backpack filled with snacks and first aid kit and book, like all the things. And, my nieces were so embarrassed of her, but she's like, you need to be prepared. She found out we were going on vacation in like three weeks, two weeks ahead of time. She was already packed. Like this is mm-hmm. kind of the mindset. Now they come across differently, but like Corey and I live in the same place and all I have is a blanket in my car in the case that I get stranded. <laughs> like I should have a full emergency like kit. I mean, I have a candle and a tin can. <laughs> I have no. a first Mm-mm. aid kit, and I have a, a like a a first aid tool kit. Yeah, <laughs> extra windshield wiper, washer fluid. Is it like the main thing in a six? Is that like the, their worst fear is like not being prepared? I mean, no, it's something mm-hmm. else. It's like mm-hmm. ah shit. <laughs> Will you look it up? I'll look it up. The point, I think, was also Corey, if you listen to the last episode, Corey was adamant that she was a four (laughs) and answered all the questions Mm -hmm. from a four's perspective. So kind of uh, talk about your typing journey and how, like, you thought you were four and how you came to find out you're six and the work you kind of had to put into that. Yeah. Well, so every test I've taken says I'm a four. Mm -hmm. Uh, I took the free one like three times and then I took, there's a paid one and I took it twice. And uh, I guess so five times, I think in total, every time it said I was a five or a, a four. And so that was why, like when we were doing it, I was like, yeah, like all these things that Sarah has sent me totally make sense. And all this stuff about the four being wanting to be an individualistic and mm-hmm. whatever, um, completely makes sense for me because that's how I kind of think I feel. Um, but then actually my mom, I, we just got on the obsessive train and it was right in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and it was like, Hey, <laughs> like it's never going to end. But um, her, her women's group at her church was doing an Enneagram book. And she was like, do you want to do it with me? It's called the road back to you, which Sarah talked about in our last podcast. And it's just a very good basic overview. So if you have no idea or you've taken a test like me multiple times and you're like, cool, like I want to go find out about it, highly recommend reading the book and you read the whole thing. 
don't pick the chapter that you think you are. Because, as I discovered, you'll be shocked <laughs> when you run across a six and go, shit, this is no. me. <laughs> and in fact, reading a lot of the five stuff made sense. But so then I was like, well, what, why would I think I was a four so strongly? And like, what about my personality makes it like that hard, strong belief? And that is the wing five portion, mm-hmm. I think kind of the like here's my research this is why I think I am and I'm gonna like believe it but so then Sarah recommended this other book called the sacred enneagram and it's a much more in-depth like kind of almost spiritual journey on the enneagram and one of the first things I read was a highly independent six will mistype as Mm -hmm. a four and I am a highly independent Mm -hmm. six (laughs) and so that just, that helped as well. And, but then reading truthfully. So the road back to you is really cool. It is like, it's like a primer almost. So you open the chapter and there's just the first on the left-hand side is just, what's it like to be a, Mm -hmm. and your number. And then there's like 15 Mm -hmm. bullet points. And so what I was doing was every time we read a chapter, I just highlighted all the things that I, um, like, understood yeah. or felt for every single number. Um, Cause as Sarah has also said, like we're all each kind of number. So I had like two things on one and like four things on two and three, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And four, I did have a lot, but on six, every single one mm-hmm. of them, <laughs> I was like, boom, 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 boom. boom. Yeah. <laughs> all of this. And then just reading through it. Um, reading through the chapter about a six they are high super super loyal and there'll be a lot of times a six is an ambivert um which if people haven't heard of that you know there's introvert and extrovert and then they've come out with this third one called ambivert which is a middle ground one fun fact called omnivert so it goes in in order introvert ambivert omnivert and then extrovert what is omnivert interesting I don't really understand it, but one of the Instagram accounts I follow, I'll send it to you guys. Um, she just posted something the other day. Sorry, guys, pause from the Enneagram. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like the ambivert operate in the in between, often go with the flow, it motivated by external stimuli. An omnivert can be introverted and extroverted, internally desired time spent with others, prone to disappear after prolonged social interaction. So, isn't that what an ambivert is too? Apparently, no. Apparently, they're two different things. Okay, but I it's. Think that I it, think it's. Okay. I think it's new. Yeah, I think this might be new. They're slightly different. Okay, that's what I'm hearing. Okay, slightly. Yeah. Not enough for me to yeah. think that there really needs to be two new names, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so like an ambivert is someone who can be introverted and extroverted, which every time I've ever taken a test that's introvert-extrovert, I'm always right on the oh, line. Oh, so the difference between is the ambivert is someone whose overall behavior is between introversion and extroversion. An omnivert is someone who can be either at different times. That's the. It seems like a, a very super minis- thin It's line. a very thin. I minuscule. thought you said. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say meniscus, and I was like, Minis- "What?" Yes, 
Tis a meniscus. <laughs> That's what all the cool kids okay. are saying these days. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Meniscus. <laughs> I love it. Um, but so here's like, there's two, two of my favorite quotes from this book are in the, the sixth chapter. And the first one is, there's no harm in hoping for the best as long as you're prepared for the worst. Stephen King. <laughs> yes. And I was like, yes, this good, is good. Me. Hello. And then, um, <laughs> ignorance is bliss except in self-awareness. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And they talk about, in the book, in the, the, in the intro, it talks about if you do not want to look into yourself, if you are not someone who wants to truly see what your fears are, move on. And, and that's fine, but you should move on because to understand your type, to understand who you are as a person and personality in possibly any test you take, you have to be able to self-reflect mm-hmm. and to look at the bad parts of yourself as well as the good parts of yourself. And that is one thing I love about this whole personality test, I guess, because it's not just like the Myers-Briggs where it's like, here's these four letters and that's just what you are. But this one is like, hey, like this could also be like a thing you might need to work Mm -hmm. on a little bit. Like you don't listen to people very much or you get stuck in your fear and you don't actually like live your life or whatever. But then here's all like the really great qualities about you as well. And the fun you can bring into any situation and this and whatever and um, I just really like that it like kind of like you said too, it's, it's mm-hmm. well-rounded and it, everyone feels like their own person, but you still get to be kind of in these groups of yeah. nine that, um, can give you community yeah. and, and understand. Um, so what's really cool about the Enneagram is it's actually intended to be more of like an oral tradition. So you learn more by word of mouth than you do. Like you can, there's a ton of resources that you can look up and read, but that's how most people, if they're like, how did you get started with the Enneagram? Someone told them, you know, like mm-hmm. my boss told me and, um, you told t- us and then I told you guys and then I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know. And I've told some of my former students and they've come back to me with mistypes. It's good yeah. shit. It's good shit. Um, but the point too, is of the Enneagram is when you start to learn it, it's like, it's primary. It's always there. Like I'm watching a TV show and I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what that person's type is. Like, it's always kind of in your, in the forefront of your mind. But once you've done like all the work kind of thing, it be, it's supposed to become tertiary and not be something you think about anymore, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. Except for Sarah, who's obsessed with it. It, like, gives you... <laughs> Sarah's probably going to teach classes on it. Do you know how else. expensive <laughs> it is to become an Enneagram coach? Oh, my God. I've looked. It's very expensive. I was going to say, our researcher has looked into well, it. Because I'm I sure. do. I love the Enneagram so much. And I do like, you know, teaching and helping people find out the information as evidenced by like mariah and Corey can testify so i i look yeah but it's, it's many thousand dollars so it's like many thousand dollars i'm like not right now so many doll hairs <laughs> yes. Yes. so many doll hairs so um as we talked about there's so many different aspects of to the enneagram we're going to talk about something we mentioned i don't even think we mentioned last time it's uh called the subtypes so ah yes we briefly mentioned yes yes yeah 
But we were trying not to get people confused with yeah. <laughs> so we talked more about wings last time. We're going to talk about subtypes this time. So subtypes exist within each of the nine types. They're broken down into three distinct versions according to how the fear of each type combines. Or I guess it's not fear. It's um, their deadly sin. <laughs> I hate that term. But the deadly sin of each type combines with one of the three instinctual biases or goals. So they're, you could just call it their like their flaw. Their big there we go, flaw. I do like they use the term passion, but that I'd have to explain it. I like it once I read the definite like the reasoning oh, behind they use the word passion. Yeah. But like I had to read why they said that. And then I'm like, oh okay, I like that. But yeah. Um, so they are broken you, into... What about their co- toxic trait? Toxic trait. <laughs> Love it. Um, so <laughs> there are three subtypes. There's um, self-preservation or self-pres because preservation is a long-ass word. And <laughs> this instinct focuses attention on and shapes behavior around issues related to survival and material security. It generally directs energy towards safety and security concerns, including having enough resources, avoiding danger, and maintaining a basic sense of structure and well-being. Beyond these basic concerns, the self-pres instinct may place emphasis on other areas of security in terms of whatever that means for a person of a specific type. Um, Social interaction or just social um, this one focuses attention on and shapes behavior around issues related to belonging, recognition, and relationships in social groups. It drives us to, quote unquote, get along with the herd, our family, the community, and the groups we belong to. This instinct also relates to how much power or standing one has relative to the other members of the group in terms of whatever that might mean for the person of a specific specific type. And then... <laughs> Oh, gosh. It's called sexual bonding in this textbook. Uh, no, I like intimate better. Nice. Um, so uh-huh. you, it's often called sexual subtype or one-to-one. One, I usually will say one-to-one because mm-hmm. uh, as stated before, I work in a church and saying the word sexual willy-nilly doesn't really fly. So, all of the time, yeah, I know. In Shocking, where you so <laughs> the sexual or one to one instinct focuses attention on and shapes behavior around issues related to the quality and status of relationships with specific individuals. Sometimes referred as the one-to-one instinct, it generally directs energy toward the achievement and maintenance of sexual connections, interpersonal attraction, and bonding. This instinct sinks a sense of well-being through one-to-one connections with people in terms of whatever that means for a person of a specific type. So there's a couple of different ways to go about subtypes. I wanted to read the, the definitions of each one so you kind of get the idea but then I'll go through and I'll read what each one means as a three as a six and as a five Mm. so that way you guys can kind of figure it out so I've been told two schools of thought with subtypes one is that you view them as a layer cake so each subtype is a layer and you you have your dominant one will be first and then the other two will be the corresponding layers Mm. of the cake another one is where it's more of a Venn diagram 
and you move in and out of the subtypes kind of freely. So both are acceptable. Okay. Take whichever one you like and you relate to best and run with it. So yeah, because for, for me, I definitely feel more of like the layer cake aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, because just re- listening to those things um, that you just said, I'm like for sure dominant social. Like, I just listening. I was like, that's yep. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a very, I'm all about like mm-hmm. the group. And then from there, I then focus on the one on one situation. And then the very last, self-preservation. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Dead last. Uh-huh. Survival. Who is she? I don't know her. Yeah. And <laughs> fast die. And so you get to tell me when we read it how much it relates to you. There is an, an, a, a thing, a part of subtypes called the countertype. Now, this is mm-hmm. different than the countertype six. Because when you read about the six on the Enneagram, they talk about the, like, regular six and then a countertype six. This is different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, because I'm actually, like, countertype six, I think so. right? Didn't we figure that out? I, don't I can't remember. Yeah. Because that's how I could mistype yeah. as a four. So each of the nine types, there's a countertype subtype. So it, in every case, um, there are two subtypes that will go with the flow of the energy of the toxic trait and then there is one that is upside down and doesn't look like the others it goes against the main energetic direction of that toxic trait so um they let me know like each one and often if you are the counter type um then you don't look like your number or you don't look like every other five that you've met Mm -hmm. like you know, that kind of thing. So, all right. We'll start with three because it's first in my book. And <laughs> um, each one also, yeah. it looks like by each subtype, it has like a fun name. So, um, <laughs> oh, very exciting. I love fun names. <laughs> and so this first, the, for the three, it lists it self-preservation three, also known as security. And that is the counter type. Um. And so the self-preservation three has a sense of vanity for having no vanity. This three also wants to be admired by others, but avoids openly seeking recognition. Not just satisfied with looking good, the self-pres three strives to be good. They're determined to be a good person to match the perfect model of how a person should be. Being the perfect model of quality implies virtue and virtue implies a lack of vanity. Self-pres threes seek a sense of security through being good, working hard, and being effective and productive. Then we have the social three, which is also known as the prestige. Um, <laughs> the prestige, that's also a movie. It's also a movie. <laughs> I know. Uh, social nice. Threes, <laughs> a social threes focus on achievement in the service of looking good and getting the job done. They act out vanity through their desire to be seen and have influence with people. If listeners who aren't picking up, the toxic trait is vanity. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, I figured Correct. I should clarify that from relatively the get-go. Um, they act out vanity through their desire to be seen and have influence with people. They enjoy being on stage in the spotlight. Social threes know how to climb the social ladder and achieve success. These are the most competitive and most aggressive of the threes. They have a driving need to look good and possess a corporate or sales mentality. 
I hate how much that's mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I did. Hello, Mariah. Listeners, <laughs> I warned everyone that I'm like, I'm sorry for any ouch moments tonight. Because we actually haven't, as a group, talked about this too much. So, um, mm-hmm. and then the one to one three, also known as charisma. So the one to one three focus on achievement in terms of personal attractiveness and supporting others. In this three, vanity is not denied, as in the self-pres three, nor embraced, as in the social three, but is somewhere in between. It's employed in the service of creating an attractive image and promoting important others. These threes have a harder time talking about themselves and often put the focus on others they want to promote. They put a lot of energy into pleasing others, and they have a family-slash-team mentality. Oh, okay. Actually, that's a lot like me. Because mm-hmm. um, I had a y'all had, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a mental breakdown this weekend, right? Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was doing was texting my team and being like, "I hate my life," you know, because mm-hmm. I'm a teacher in the panorama. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. teachers reached out and was like, said all of these really great things, and like, because he's new, and he was like, "I'm just like." Like, you're, you're doing amazing. And then I immediately was like, well, you're doing amazing, too. It means a lot. And he was like, stop deflecting. Stop mm-hmm. deflecting. <laughs> Take the comment. Ooh, I, like him. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. you're, you're totally right. And that's yeah. something that I, I have a hard time with compliments. I have a hard time. Um, like, I clearly am like very much like I want to do good, but I don't act. I'm not actively like, tell me I'm good. Like, but when mm-hmm. it does happen, oh my God, I swell with pride and it makes my whole life. Um, <laughs> and yeah, totally. Like I'm all about the team and wow. Yeah. I am much more. Wow. So that's um, weird. Another way. What I a just... journey we just went on in this. I love minutes. it. <laughs> so another way to do <laughs> is. Um, for self-pres, you need a key to get into that person's world. Mm. They're going to be that standoffish person you think is a total bitch, but once you get to know them, they're amazing. Most likely is a self-pres human. <laughs> um, social, you enter into that person, like you enter into other people's world. They're a thousand and ten percent bought into the conversation. They're not thinking about anything else except for what you're saying. <laughs> And then the one-to-one or sexual, you draw people into your world. Yep. And so, <laughs> right? And, Done. and so it's, like, it's one of those, it's, I like talking to people who are the sexual or one-to-one subtype primarily because then it's an even flow of conversation. When I talk to um, a social subtype, I feel like I'm not getting to know anything from them because they're totally happy to let me talk for five hours, you know, anyways. <laughs> so, Fair but enough. yes, it's also my, Fair uh, enough. my friend would describe it as a social, I mean, a sexual subtype would be in the middle of a conversation being like, Oh my gosh, that's such a cool water bottle. Cause you're not, 100% bought into the conversation. You're listening actively, but you're mm-hmm. also thinking about other things. Mm-hmm. All right. Which most gonna... people would say is rude. <laughs> but uh... I'm just talking about other things. <laughs> I have a lot of things going like, on in my I'm brain. focused on you, but also like other things happen I've... and I get distracted. Exactly. Shiny. Exactly. I mean, come on, guys. 
So Shiny. we're going to head into <laughs> So self-prez for a six <laughs> is wonks. So self-prez sixes express the toxic trait of fear through a need for protection, for friendship, and for banding together with others. In seeking protective alliances, self-prez sixes endeavor to be warm, friendly, and trustworthy, which is why they bear the name warmth. This most phobic of the sixes has difficulty expressing anger, feels uncertain, and engages in a lot of self-doubt. For self-pressed sixes, fear manifests as insecurity, and they focus on relationships as a way of feeling safer in the world. We have the social six, which is duty. Social sixes express fear through a need to deal with anxiety by relying on abstract reason or ideologies as a frame of reference. Obeying authority through knowing what the rules are helps them to feel safe in the world. Unlike the self-pressed six, this six has more certainty and can be, quote-unquote, too sure of things as a way of dealing with the anxiety of uncertainty. Social sixes focus on precision and efficiency. They adhere to whatever the guidelines are as form of having a protective authority. And then we go to the sexual six, strength slash beauty. And this is the counter type. Sexual sixes express fear by going against fear. By becoming strong and intimidating, trusting themselves more than others, these sixes have the inner programming that when you are afraid, the best defense is a good offense. I think I read this exact same thing to you, Corey. I think I read this to you. This yeah. sounds exactly like Corey. Um, they take on a powerful... <laughs> was like, yeah, I remember, I remember this I remember now. Remember this is like, yes. The best defense is a good offense. Um, they take on a powerful yeah. stance, both in what they do and how they look, as a way of holding the enemy at a distance. Their anxiety is allayed through skill and readiness in the face of an attack. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So. What clued me in <laughs> that Corey was not the first uh-huh. one was difficulty expressing anger. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think so. I think I'm one to one self pres and then mm-hmm. social. Because the social one, I'm like, yeah. And, and Mariah, you're one to one social and then self pres, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I want everybody to know who I am. <laughs> and we do, baby. We do. We know right. who you are. Oh, no. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I remember this now because, too, we were talking and there were parts of just a like a mm-hmm. regular six that I was like, I don't live yeah. in that much fear. Like, there's a lot more fear being expressed than I live in. And maybe I used to live in it, but <laughs> your girl mm-hmm. has been to therapy. And is on meds. Yeah. And has also lived through some horrific shit that is really annoying. And so I don't live in that much fear. So the counter counter type made yeah. more se- sense. So one to one. Great. I can say I'm a sexual. Strength slash beauty. I love it. <laughs> Look at us, Corey. Look at us. Go. I do too. We're sexual. What? Just, have you guys ever watched Miranda? I've watched the Hulu? first episode no, and it's great. We you guys need, to, need to watch all of it because Miranda is in her mid thirties and she is a total Brit and she can't say sex or sexual. So every time, and it's going to be hard on this audio medium to do it because it's mostly like her face and her mouth just moving, <laughs> but she's like sexual. 
she just gets she just can't <laughs> oh yeah well she well, can't say it out loud is that that word is uh totally banned by ticky tackies so mm-hmm. every time somebody types it in a comment type puts it in a video they have to write s-e-g-g-s yeah <laughs> Sex. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh-huh. i have definitely uh-huh. brought it just like into my normal texting of my of my new book. Yes. <laughs> just I like, love it. Wow, that's so <laughs> the sex you will <laughs> Let's talk of things of a sexual <laughs> nature. Fantastic. So yes. Oh god. I um, love it. Right. So we'll I talk about it. five subtypes. We'll talk about Me. Sarah. Uh, uh. so we have the self prez five, also known as the castle. So self prez fives express their toxic trait of avarice. Which, if you don't know what that word means, it's greed. It's hoarding. More so, because it's not really monetarily. But being greedy with your time. Yeah, greed or hoarding of things is basically what avarice means. It's generally used in relation to money. Um, like Scrooge McDuck is filled with avarice. <laughs> Smaug. <laughs> Smaug is filled with avarice. I don't know why. Ebenezer Scrooge. I love. (laughs) No, Scrooge McDuck dives into his swimming pool because life is like a hurricane (laughs) here in Duckburg. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) um, yeah. So they express avarice through a focus on boundaries, a need to be quote unquote encastled in a sanctuary where they feel protected from intrusion and have control over their boundaries. Self-pres fives have a passion for being able to hide behind walls and know that they have everything they need to survive within those walls. They are the least expressive of the three fives and they try to limit their needs and wants so they can avoid being dependent on others. Then we have the social five, also known as totem. The social five expresses avarice through a need for super ideals relating to others with common interests through knowledge and shared values rather than emotional connection. In this five, avarice is connected to knowledge. Needs for people and for the sustenance that relationships provide get channeled into a thirst for information. Totem refers to a passion for high ideals, the need to idealize experts and seek knowledge connected to whatever ultimate values this five adheres to. Social fives engage in a search for the ultimate meaning to avoid experiencing life as meaningless. And sexual five, confidence, and it's the counter type. So sexual fives express avarice through a search for ideal exemplars of absolute love. This is a five with a romantic streak. <laughs> the name reflects their need to find a partner who fulfills an ideal of trust. The most emotionally sensitive of the fives, they suffer more, resemble type four more, and have more overt desires. They have a vibrant inner life that may be expressed through artistic creation, but are still cut off from others in many ways. So if you couldn't tell by the giggling... <sighs> Is that Um, you? That's me. (laughs) But what's really intriguing is that I'm also self-pres. But I think this is because all fives are naturally self-preserving. I I would make a case Mm. that the majority of fives are going to be self-preserving. So for me, I like to look at the Venn diagram of view of subtypes more than the layer cake. 
because I'm kind of almost equally self-prez and one-to-one um, because I'm going to be, I mean, whenever I first met you guys, if you can remember that far back, if I, the first time I meet you, I'm generally very closed off. <laughs> Wait, no. what? No, no. No. And so, but ultimately, I live in that one-to-one confident world subtype. So it's like once you get to know me, that's where I live. I'm there, and I am that countertype five. So it's it's weird with mm-hmm. me because I'm like I'm I'm I am self-pres. Anyone who first meets me will agree with that. But I'm also mostly the one-to-one subtype, and you. I love that we are all one. That's really funny to me, actually. Mostly. That's probably why we are very good at the podcasting. Mm -hmm. At least I think we Uh are. Uh (laughs) We are. And truly, our Marco Polo game is (laughs) magic. If we could share it to the world. (laughs) I really, (laughs) most of the things that I say Marco Polo, I want no one but you two listening Well, I mean, that's that's correct. You're not wrong. There have been times, though, when I've been like, we should make a show about this. <laughs> <laughs> These four together have been oh, just great. truly <laughs> iconic. <laughs> truly, the things that are said. I mean, we have t-shirts that's coming true, out of some of it. Oh, we do, huh? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, listeners, <laughs> if you'd like a t-shirt that says, um, oh, I'm not with it. I miss people. Something else. I'm going I, crazy. I'm lonely. Mm. I'm going crazy. I miss people. No, I'm no. going crazy. <laughs> Men are trash. The three tenets <laughs> of our whole life. <laughs> the three tenets of our yes. of our friendship. I miss mm-hmm. people. And truly, when trash. I said that, guys, I said that on a Marco Polo after yet another failed online dating uh, mm-hmm. situation. And then I went to go type it out to put it on the t-shirt and I didn't realize it's like, it's like three words. It's like a great little mm-hmm. haiku-ish. It's great. <laughs> I miss mm-hmm. people. I'm going crazy. <laughs> At least not you. Men are trash. It's definitely a, not a haiku, but we'll take no. it. <laughs> no, but you know, it's, it's like, three, it's like, three, it's like which, oh, there's like, yeah. Three, Which three. Lead, yeah. leads me into our <laughs> next discussion. Yes. Ooh, is, yay. So in the Enneagram, you'll see groupings of three mm-hmm. all over the fucking place. Yes. They're everywhere. So there's, they call them triads. The ones you usually hear of are the instinctive triads, which are basic components of the human psyche. So instinct, also known as the gut triad, which is uh, eight, nines, and ones. We have the feeling or heart triad. Um, or shame triad. Or shame triad, which is twos, threes, and fours. And then we have the thinking or head triad, um, which is five, sixes, and sevens. And so <laughs> basically, if you... How, how does it feel, Mariah, to be in the, the heart triad <laughs> with two head triad people on I your mean... Marco Polo? <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> Out of all of the people in the heart triad, guess which number denies their emotions the most? Threes! Yeah, yeah. that's true. So <laughs> that's right. We've like, talked about. That's why I was just like, um, I don't like people. I hate, don't have it's emotions. Fine. 
Yes, you do. Yes, Mariah. she does. It's she a just very like you have no. so many of them. I ignore them until <laughs> I blow up, and then I don't. Uh... It's <laughs> it's the John Mulaney sketch where he's talking about being Irish, and he's like, "You just shove your emotions down yeah, until like, you're dead." You just sit right here, and then one day you die. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they use that for threes, but they also use that name for fives as well. It's great. Um, yes. So basically, you have um, so the feeling. I'm gonna just talk about the two triads that concern us because I don't care about other people. I mean, I do care about other people, but if we had <laughs> to talk about the other types, the other six types, we'd be here for a thousand years. So we absolutely would. Someday we'll get a uh, one of our friends to come on, yeah, and and talk. Who is right. a different and that triad? triad. Um, right. So in the feeling triad, at the deepest level, your heart qualities are the source of your identity. So when your heart opens, you know who you are and that who you are has nothing to do with what people think of you and nothing to do with your past history. And I was reading that today for the first time. I'm like, wow, fascinating. Very mm. foreign concept, but fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? What do you mean? It's a foreign concept to me. That like, emotions and knowing people knowing you. Like that's my sentence. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. I don't really I mean, I'm not saying that I don't feel that way. I'm just not cognizant about feeling that way. I mean, neither am I. Well, you <laughs> that's are my apparently. problem. Um <laughs> <laughs> so the the three types in the heart triad are primarily concerned with the development of a self-image um they compensate for a lack of deeper connection with the essential qualities of the heart by erecting a false identity and becoming identified with it they then present this image to others as well as to themselves in the hope that it will attract love attention approval and a sense of value oh correct so, yeah. <laughs> So the the way that self-image and how each number in the heart triad deals with it is different. So twos, self-image presented to, outwardly to others. The helper. They want to be perfect and amazing and helpful to outside people. Mm. Fours, self-image presented inwardly to themselves. Also known as one of the n- most narcissistic numbers. Because <laughs> they're focused <laughs> inward <laughs> on themselves. <laughs> Um, and their self-image threes self-image presented both to self and to others but i think it was usually um oh there's a what was it because there's a you dealing external like externally with self-image you portray to others but then you also have your own internal self-image and usually those are different i think mm-hmm. so. yeah um i what something that um threes deal a lot with is um like apparently it's a like it's crazy um we have a lot of imposter syndrome among threes Mm -hmm. because what we show Mm -hmm. to the world is something that's kind of like carefully manicured and then but we feel like lies all of the time and that somebody's gonna catch us like lies like, (laughs) like oh man someday they're gonna know yeah, uh, that uh, I am very bad at my job, or that I'm not exactly who I say I am, or um, mm-hmm. they're gonna f- f- true. They're gonna see that what the 
the me underneath the mask like the phantom and then they're gonna never love me again and um and like that's that's the problem is that like i feel like usually our the 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 image that we put out into the world um and the image that we do have are the same but we have like like dysmorphia about it it's really weird yeah so no it it literally i'm reading this while you were i mean i was listening but i'm i'm continuing to read um that one-to-one sexual you know it um (laughs) seek value through accomplishment they develop notions about what a quote-unquote valuable person would be like then try to become that person but threes also engage in a great deal of internal self-talk Attempting to create and sustain a consistent internal picture of themselves, they are always in danger of believing their own press releases more than the truth. Oh my god! Ooh. Wow. Okay. Right. Okay. Don okay. Richard Riso and Russ Hudson just came at you, but it's fine. They They'll really come at me. They just read me for Phil. Oh lord. They they read you and your Marco Polos <laughs> this weekend. And to us, they also uh, when we were like uh, they stop. also talked about how twos like to be the rescuers, um, fours are the rescuees, and threes do not need rescuing. <laughs> uh, I know I am valuable because I've got my act together. <laughs> I just I. <laughs> Listen, we did not come here to be oh a pastor. <laughs> I'm already terrified. Literally, you oh talking about my number. <laughs> I hate. I hate it. I, wait, wait. What I was it? Knowledge is bliss. is bliss. Mm. Like, see, this is and this I, is where and this is where I realize that the true Enneagram three in the Disney canon. Is not Tiana. No. It's Meg. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it is. No. Not I wrong. Uh... <laughs> All right. So to distract you, let's talk about the thinking triad. Okay. Me and Corey. It's going to be fun times. No, thank you. Pass. Okay. Next question. We're talking about me. <laughs> Just kidding. So, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Ignorance, yeah. except in self So, if the gut <laughs> triad is about maintaining a felt sense of self, and the heart triad is about maintaining a personal identity, the thinking triad is about finding a sense of inner guidance and support. The dominant feelings in types five, six, and seven are anxiety and insecurity. To put it another way, the um, instinctive triad types are concerned with resisting aspects of the present so the feeling types are all past oriented because which is not true i don't i don't agree with that never mind i'm gonna stop feeling types are not past. they're not no i don't ever no some each number is different so fours are past oriented threes are future oriented and twos are present oriented Oh, in the maybe they're thinking triad. about a different like. So they're a, talking each about each triad has its own present, future, past. Yes. So they're talking about 
technically they're saying in this one, the feeling triad types are all past oriented because our self image is built up out of memories and interpretations of the past. The thinking triad types are more concerned about the future as if to ask what's going to happen to me. How am I going to survive? How can I prepare myself to keep bad things from happening? How do I move forward in life? How do I cope? The thinking triad has lost touch with the aspect of our true nature that in some spiritual traditions is called the quiet mind, a.k.a. our brains never shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which we, we just sure had did. this conversation. <laughs> hey, look, five, sixes, and sevens cannot get their minds to simmer down. That See, was a quote from this and book. That, it literally and never stopped. that's the thing that I was actually talking to threes about is like when... Uh, like threes are doing something like work we can't shut our brains off but as soon as we're out of work we're like i'm a himbo now (laughs) (laughs) what brain be what do make words (laughs) (laughs) like literally the moment we are not working and doing something that we like we care about we're just like i don't know yeah yeah like if you want an example of how my brain never shuts off i cannot just sit and watch television um i always have to have I, like that's mm-hmm. why i do so many crafts like i watch tv i watch a lot of tv but people will go oh man you watch a ton of tv and i'm like yeah but look at all the things yeah. i sewed while doing it <laughs> and here's 15 t-shirts and 87 like i learned how to knit while doing it and then i'm also learning how to loom and now i'm in grad school and <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> all while watching yeah. all. So yeah. um, basically, instead of self-image, the thinking triad deals with fear reaction. So your reaction to fear, basically. And so for fives, we flee inward due to fear of aspects of the outside world. Sevens flee outward due to fear of aspects of their inner world. So like... My mom is a seven. And so if she's freaked out by her own emotions and like pain, she won't look like she won't think about it. She'll just go outward, hanging out with people, talking to other people, that kind of a thing. Um, And six is mm-hmm. flee inward to avoid external threats and outward to avoid internal fears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Uh-oh. laughs> so I hide in my house, but I make sure I'm always doing something with my hands so I Basically. stop thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, the best and worst of both worlds. <laughs> it's <laughs> welcome um, to my personal health. <laughs> so it's, it's what um, threes, sixes, and nines, you guys are technically called the har- har- harmony triad. I don't remember this exact term. But because you guys exist on like the equal points within um, the the shape of the Enneagram, you guys are the ones that ignore your instinctive type the most. So as a six, you ignore your head the most. Um, as a three, you ignore your heart the most. And a nine ignores their gut the most. So um, hmm. That's why you guys, like your little little, um, picture that I'm looking at, like your arrows go both ways Mm -hmm. because you're the one who don't, you don't focus on your instinctive type. You ignore it the most. So, um, anyways, yeah. Uh, Again, really fun to get just called. Great. I'm about to call myself out. (laughs) So let me talk about the five. 
So Yay. I respond by retreating from life and reducing my personal needs. Yep. Fives fives believe that they are too frail and insubstantial to safely survive in the world. The only safe place is in their minds, so they stockpile whatever they believe will help them survive until they are ready to rejoin the world. Fives also feel that they do not have enough to bring to the table to meet the demands of practical life. They retreat until they can learn something or master some skill that would allow them to feel safe enough to come out of hiding. I mean, that's it. That's accurate. Wow. So yeah, insight yeah. into uh-huh. who I am. <laughs> that paragraph. Uh-huh. This checks out. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, type six. So the central type of this triad. So you're, you're, yeah, you guys are, you're positioned on the equilateral triangle of the nine, three, and six. Um, attention and energy are directed okay. both inward and outward. So sixes feel anxious inside and so launch into external action and anticipation of the future like sevens but having done so they eventually become afraid that they will make mistakes and be punished overwhelmed by demands on them so like fives they jump back inside they get scared by their feelings again and the reactive cycle continues with anxiety causing their attention to bounce around like a ping pong ball (laughs) party yeah (laughs) oh i need to clean my glasses sounds right Okay. Are you are you are you ready, Corey? This next part's oh. not fun. Oh, oh no. So <laughs> I listen, just remember I didn't oh, get to drink booze today. It's fine, I do so so all the time. Really <laughs> feeling it. Which is good. Yeah. So, the types no, thank you. in the head triad tend to have issues related to what psychologists call the separation phase of ego development. This is the stage around two or four years old when toddlers begin to wonder, how do I move away from the safety and nurturance of mom? What is safe and what is dangerous? Under ideal circumstances, the father figure becomes the support and the guide, the person who helps the child develop skills and independence. Um, however, so... Hmm. It looks like the way we attempted to negotiate the separation phase and overcome dependency. So sixes look for somebody like a father figure, someone who is strong, trustworthy, and authoritative. The sixes deal with the loss of inner guidance by seeking guidance from others. They're looking for support to become independent. Although ironically, they tend to become dependent on the very person or system they use to find independence. (laughs) I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> mine is not wow. Either, so. aye, aye, aye. <laughs> I mean, it's Correct. not wrong, but I, I don't think it. I've ever <laughs> felt quite as seen as this next portion. So this is great. Um, fives are convinced that hey. support is unavailable or not reliable. So they attempt to compensate for the loss of inner guidance by mentally figuring everything out on their own. But because they are going it alone, they believe they must reduce their need for an attachment to anyone if they are going to break away and be independent. Another fucker. I literally just dealt with this in therapy. Big oof. Like last week, week, but the week before. Whereas, so, sidebar, but I'm doing a, a therapy called Splunkna. 
it uses muscle testing to determine what you guys are going to talk about in therapy. It's great because then I don't have to real like think about it. My body tells my therapist oh, yeah, what yeah. we're going to talk about. Um, and I like it a lot. But basically, you go through these emotions that are like connected, and they they deal with a certain time period. All of those emotions lead to a perceived benefit, which is never a good thing. But, like, it's what we think. We did all of these things because then this would happen or this did happen. And that ties into agreement or a lie that you've agreed long ago whenever about yourself. And I just did one where I said my needs are not important slash don't matter. Hi. (laughs) That's what I just read. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My needs are not important. I just do it on myself. (laughs) I literally said to my mom the other day, I was having really bad period cramps, but I came upstairs to make myself food. And she's like, well, at least you're making your own, you know, yourself food. And I'm like, because I don't trust you to make it for me. She's like, what do you mean you don't trust me? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, let me take that. Just never mind. <laughs> Anyways, that was a little more into the instinctive triad than I meant to go into, uh, but it, it's fine. It's all good. I'm just going to cry fine. myself to sleep. Yes. I'm going to go to this podcast episode and go have a drink. I would not blame you. I know. I got to go find out. I'm back with my parents and they don't usually have booze in their house. So I got to go, go find out if they have any so, <laughs> anywhere. Uh, yeah. The next one is... I called it stances in our chat. Like when I sent you the question, not discussion points, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's not really been a question and answer session, has it? Um, but it's also known as the Hornavian triad or groups. Um, what? Yeah, it's, it's named <laughs> after um, a psychiatrist named Karen Horney. <laughs> yeah. Is and that right? Oh, listen, she became a psychologist for a reason. Her parents gave her that name. (laughs) So, yeah, so she developed Freud's work by identifying three fundamental ways in which people attempt to solve inner conflicts. Um, So this grouping is talking about, like, the social style of each type and how each type tries to get their needs met. Mm. Um, They're also called stances. You'll hear it different places, but you have the assertive, okay, which is uh, threes, sevens, and eights. We are not yes. surprised. Yes, um, correct. The assertive types <laughs> are ego oriented and ego expansive. They respond to stress or cool. difficulty by building up, reinforcing, or inflating their ego. They expand their ego in the face of difficulty rather than back down, withdraw, or seek protection from others. All three of these types have issues with processing their feelings. Correct. But basically, <laughs> the assertive type, that's going to be your squeaky wheel friend who always gets their fucking needs met. And you're like, oh, how did she get the bicycle she always wanted? Because she said she wanted it. You know? Yeah. My sister um, is that person. Mm-hmm. She yeah, always sure. got everything she ever wanted. And my sister and I, who are withdrawn types, we'll get into that in a second. We're like, how can she always... Oh, because she voiced 
she believes that she is the most important mm-hmm. person. And so consequently, she gets to tell people what she wants and what she needs. And that's how she gets <sighs> her needs met. Hence why I'm having a lot of trouble in, t- like in our learning right now where I'm just like, I can't see you and you won't tell me what your problem is. So I can't help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to mm-hmm. do a me. And tell me what your problem is. Yep. <laughs> yes. I'm now realizing that is unfair. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I have no other data to go on. Well, it's also, it's why right. we're right. all in triads. Because we all exist. We all need different aspects. So I need an assertive in my life. Because an assertive person in my life is going to draw it out of me. You know, and I need mm-hmm. a dutiful or compliant type, which is in my life, because then they're going to do that different. We're going to explain what that is. <laughs> the next, it's also known as compliant or dutiful. And this is one, two, and six. So, Corey, we're looking at you. These three types <laughs> share the <laughs> service to other people. They are the advocates, crusaders, public servants, and committed workers. All three respond to difficulty and stress by consulting with their super ego to find out what is the right thing to do. So it doesn't necessarily mean that compliant types are compliant to other people. They are, they are, however, highly compliant to the demands of their super egos. These three types try to obey the internalized rules, principles, and dictates that they have learned from childhood. As a result, they often become authority figures themselves, especially sixes and ones. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's, this this checks out well because so when you go on the Enneagram Institute, they actually they call every so you can be like a six wing five or a six wing seven mm-hmm. or just a six, and each. All three of those have a different name. And I can't quite remember, but I think the six wing mm-hmm. five, which is what I am, is called the challenger. And then it gives you a list of people who probably mm-hmm. were that, you know. And mine was like Martin Luther King <laughs> Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy and Mother Teresa. <laughs> and, or, no, or maybe it was the advocate. I can't quite remember now. But basically it was just like all these people who always – yeah. Oh, six to five forward. wing is the defender. Examples: Robert Kennedy, Malcolm. That's X, what it was. Michelle Feist. This on the Enneagram mm-hmm. Institute. Yes. Yep. So. Yeah. The defender. Yeah, I couldn't remember, but I knew. Because now I'm going like... to for mine. You know that because oh, yeah. of the ego I have. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Absolutely. It's a, it's really really cool because it, I'm like yeah anyway I so I'm not actually you... a loyalist I'm a defender they have it so a three wing two is called the charmer examples Bill Clinton Elvis Presley John Travolta Christopher Reeve Shania Twain Paul McCartney yeah. I'm in good company mm-hmm. Paul McCartney yeah you're and in good company I mean Bill yeah. Clinton is not super great mm. but. <laughs> <laughs> He sure charmed that cigar, though. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Sorry. <laughs> um, hey. Yeah, hey, Ellen. <laughs> so with that, we have compliant, and then we have withdrawn. 
which is going to be fives, fours, and nines. Um, and I didn't say it earlier, but I have a very strong four wing, so I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> like, unless I go into health, I basically exist in withdrawn stage. But so the withdrawns, um, the moving away from people include types fours, five, and nines. These types do not have much differentiation between their conscious self and their unconscious unprocessed feelings thoughts and impulses their unconscious is always welling up into consciousness through daydreams and fantasies so um we respond to stress by moving away from engagement with the world and into an inner space in their imagination (laughs) five withdraw into a complex and cerebral inner tinker toy (laughs) Fours, oh. fours withdraw into a romantic and idealized fantasy self. I do both of those things. I was going to say, Sarah? But you're, a, you're a five wing four, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, in God, common language. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. That's what I was saying. I was like, I'm a five wing four. I do all of these things. So in common language, they all can zone out and go into their imaginations very easily. These types have problems with staying in their physicality and with getting out of their imaginations and into action. So, yeah. Great. And then it's marvelous. Like the four and the five most clearly feel separate from others. <laughs> they reinforce their sense of self by standing <laughs> apart and being different. In a room full of people, fours would typically be standoffish and aloof and would act in some kind of mysterious fashion. Um, fives. So, does this explain your anger at having to watch Bridgerton? <laughs> when mm-hmm. everyone um, was like, but no, actually, like... um, I think that's part of my eight as well. Because, um, mm. and we'll get to okay. this later, but Rude Ass Enneagram, I think her name is Liv. Liz, sorry, her name is Liz. For Rude Ass Enneagram, and she's like, I hate being told, like, I, I won't watch something because someone tells me to do it. But I'll watch it of my own. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so fives might not mind being there, but they would just they would be just as happy at home reading a book or pursuing their own interests. If they stayed, fives would probably sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else. They would be more likely to socialize if they uh-huh. could have a uh-huh. context, like photographing the proceedings of the camcorder. <laughs> so these these groups or this tri- set of triads tell us the strategy each type employs to get its needs met so the assertive types insist or demand that they get what they want their approach is active and direct as they go after what they believe they need the compliant types all attempt to earn something by placating their super ego to get what they want they do their best to be good boys and girls to get their needs met (laughs) and the withdrawn types all withdraw to get what they want they disengage from others to deal with their needs so thoughts besides ouch in in uh in relation (laughs) to these triads i mean this is truly why it said like if you don't want to be mm-hmm. self-reflective. Yeah. Don't come here. 
but not like in a shutting the door on people kind of way, but like you have to be able to hear that and go, I don't like it, but okay. And how do I now handle that, deal with it, either embrace it because it's good or completely change because it's bad or, you know, whatever. You you could be, but like you have to, you could be one of those people who like comes to the Enneagram, stays for the memes and doesn't do anything else. But like you're not really utilizing. Right what a great tool the Enneagram right. is if you just sit there and look at the funny memes, which are amazing. And which is funny. what I do mostly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you did I a did, lot of like work in the beginning. So you have now earned the rest. Right <laughs> they make way, way more sense now. <laughs> right? They do. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's a great way to just easily unlock um a lot of like levels in your romantic partners immediately oh it's so good i'm like ah yes i understand <laughs> you immediately now yeah yeah i like, understand oh, that's this very helpful knowledge. thank you <laughs> uh all right so this is our last <laughs> which is a very free thing of me to say i feel like it's really great we've said this yeah. before i think Corey specifically said it in the last enneagram episode but the point of the enneagram is to sh- increase your ability for compassion and your compassion for others so that's basically what you're doing you're making Mm -hmm. sense of these people around you because you know their enneagram number you can then figure out and be like oh you weren't being mean to me you were just operating this you know and doing a y a y z a y and z yes the letters of the alphabet that order a y and z i don't know Anyway, she's withdrawing. She's withdrawing. <laughs> Sarah has talked. I know. So That's why I love the I'm Enneagram so episodes because I'm like, ah, yes. <laughs> right? Go, Sarah, go. Sarah, Sarah will Sarah, talk. Go. Listeners, I told them like a couple of months ago that this is the longest I have stayed consistently in a group chat <laughs> without <laughs> disappearing. <on Sunday. laughs> I think it's also, it helps that A, we don't live together. B, we're all very different personality types. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And C, we have a lot of things in common that we enjoy. Lots of shared Mm -hmm. interests. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And we're like at the point now, Sarah, where we're enmeshed enough that we I'm not going to let you disappear. So you're stuck. (laughs) (laughs) My loyalist six is going to stick on. It's not a bad thing. I just realized it because I was like, I was wondering why I was Uh becoming less responsive at a certain point. And I'm like, oh, it's because normally by now I would have dipped out. (laughs) I would have. I literally like nope. Mariah because before the, the panorama, I didn't really talk to Corey, but with Mariah, I would text her and then mm-hmm. we'd go like a year or two <laughs> without talking. Without talking. And it, they, that was fine because everyone just was like, is Sarah. She's fine. Whenever she needs me, uh-huh. she'll come back. And then, and then <laughs> it started because of the Rise of Skywalker, the movie we don't talk about. But I needed help. T Ross. It's T Ross that we'll talk and about so someday. I started talking to her, and then that just it kept going from there, and then it turned into our group chat. Mm-hmm. Um. So one of the last things, like mm-hmm. big topics to talk about, are the harmonic, um, groups or triads, which is your coping style. 
So mm. this is basically <laughs> like how to oh. how you deal with not getting what you want. No, or also mm. conflict resolution. <laughs> Pass. Can we just talk about memes oh, now? Oh, I'm gonna hold on, everybody. Let's just guard our hearts. <laughs> This is the most sober I've had to be dealing with something in a very long time, and I don't like it. <laughs> uh, listen. Oh my gosh. Good time. Corey, let's do it. I just found another reason why you mistyped as a four. So, um, yes. So, as a third significant way to group the nine types is called the harmonic groups. So, for each primary type, um, so those located on the equilateral triangle, you'll often hear that's called the harmonic triad. So the nine, six, and three, as I've spoken of before. Um, so there are two secondary types that seem very much like it in numerous ways. And people will repeatedly misidentify themselves as a result of the similarities between these types. So nines often misidentify themselves as twos or sevens. Threes misidentify themselves as ones or fives. And sixes are almost notorious in misidentifying themselves as either fours or eights. Boom. So, <laughs> um, yes. So there's no lines <laughs> that connect them in the Enneagram symbol. That's kind of what's really special about these harmonic groups. Everywhere else, there can be lines that connect at least some of the numbers. And none of these numbers are going to be connected, which is kind of cool. Uh. Um, but it's common themes and issues unite these types. So they tell us what attitude the type adopts if it fails to meet its dominant need. Uh, in other words, the harmonic groups tell us how we cope with conflict and difficulty, how we respond when we do not get what we need. So we have the positive outlook group, which is types 9, 2, and 7. They respond to conflict and difficulty by adopting as much as possible a positive attitude reframing disappointment in some positive way um for example my mom is a seven and she likes to be like oh that's too bad but this is great like let like just look at it <laughs> in a different well, what did we learn from this it's very like Ugh. <laughs> it's also sometimes the fix it attitude i think i i yeah. think that could be applied to the positive outlook group um, but so they will emphasize avoid and have problem with needs so like a seven we'll just use as the one example so they emphasize positive experiences enjoyment activity excitement and fun they avoid seeing their pain and emptiness their role in creating suffering for self and others they overemphasize they put overemphasis on their own needs they easily feel burdened by the needs of others so anyways uh yeah okay they have a hard time looking at like the dark side of themselves which is very true my friend who is a two will it takes her days to process her own emotions (laughs) literally like if something happens i have i have to wait a couple like i'm an internal processor but it it's different and like we've both lived like been in our desk office space for the same amount of time well, I recently got a new office. And the first thing I did was, okay, I've got to make it mine. I am a five-wing four. I need to make this space mine. She just organized it to 
be like a, a place that she enjoys sitting at her desk just now it's been over a year like that that's kind of <laughs> uh-huh. she operates so then we have the competency okay. group which is types three one and five already i know it oh god it's gonna hurt these people have learned <laughs> these people have learned to deal with difficulty by putting aside their personal feelings and striving to be objective, effective, and competent. They put their subjective mm. needs and feelings on the back burner. They try to solve the problems logically and expect others to do the same. Hey, guess what Mariah was talking about earlier? <laughs> this is why my three boss and I get along so well because in times of conflict this is we just are exactly like we do things differently like each number views the 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 thing differently the whatever Mm -hmm. reaction you are um yeah but it it's really nice I, i have a one boss and a three boss and talking to them is like it's so great because everyone's just focused on like the list. Okay, here's the problem. We've figured it out. What are the issues? How do we solve it? Here we go. Done. Moving on. <laughs> and I, yeah, and it's, um, <laughs> that's why it's like, I think that I really mesh with our school is because, again, so many of us are threes mm-hmm. or ones. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's great, isn't it? it's ridiculous we're all like we're literally always sitting in professional development and then like here's the problem let's talk about it for an hour and all of us are like this was stupid let's talk about problem solving (laughs) like we have a problem let's fix it (laughs) we need action oh my gosh yeah so it's is these three types so one's Fives and threes also have issues related to working within the confines of a structure or a system. How do I function within a system? How can I use it to my advantage? Will it hamper me from doing what I want to do? The type's attitude towards systems evolved from their relationship with their families. These types are not sure how much they want to give themselves over to the values of the system and how much they wanted to to withhold and how much they want to withhold themselves from it. So Ones operate inside the rules. There's no shock there. Um, fives tend to operate outside the rules. And threes want to play both ways. Yep. <laughs> having the benefit of the rules and structures while not having Literally the in my cover letter. <laughs> Literally in my cover letter. <laughs> like a, a team player with a maverick attitude. Literally in my cover letter. I love it. Oh my god. So yes. Since college, <laughs> that has been in my cover letter for every job that I've ever had. It really could. as it should. Oh my god. As it so should be. You as a three emphasize being efficient, capable, and outstanding. They focus Correct. on goals, being pragmatic, <laughs> and knowing how to present self. Correct. On the other hand, I, as a five, emphasize being the expert and having deep information. I focus on the process, objective facts, Hmm. and maintaining clarity and detachment. Yes. (laughs) Should we send them all a picture of what your bed looks like? (laughs) We can all be obedient. 
for our listeners at home, Sarah sent us a picture of her uh, preparation for this, and there were books upon books yeah, upon exactly. notes. Um, <laughs> threes manage feelings by repression and keeping attention on tasks. Staying active. <laughs> Achievement offsets painful feelings. What? They look to others for feeling cues. <laughs> I don't need feelings. I have things to do. All right, guys. So you know how accurate that was for mine. Also. Hi. <laughs> I manage my feelings Are you by ready? splitting off and abstracting feelings. I stay preoccupied and cerebral as if my feelings were happening to someone else. <laughs> Well, they're not wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And your relation to systems. So threes want to work with the system, but they also like being outside of it, bending rules and finding shortcuts. Oh, correct. Yeah. And then uh, fives. Re- Life hacks are my fave. Yeah. Uh, fives reject the system and want to work on their own outside of it. They have little patience with rules or procedures. Yep. Mm. I mean, we're not. This is not wrong mm. here, guys. No. All right. Corey's probably like, excuse me. We're... <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm I, fine. I want, I want to fine. see. Go I want to know. <laughs> Ira, like, excuse me. <laughs> Why aren't we calling Corey out? <laughs> Can we move so, on? <laughs> um, the reactive group is composed of types six, what? four, and eight. These types react emotionally to conflicts and problems and have difficulties knowing how much to trust other people. I need you to know how I feel about this. When problems arise, these types look for an emotional response from others that mirrors their concern. In conflicts, the reactive types want the other person to match their emotional state. This is really bothering me. It should bother you too. You guys have strong yeah. likes and dislikes. If there's a problem, others are going to hear about it. Yeah. In conflicts, they need to deal with their feelings first. And usually once they're able to do so, things can blow over fairly quickly and permanently. If they're not able to vent their feelings, however, these types can become increasingly resentful and vindictive. Um. I'm sorry. So fun. I've just known Corey. Listen, you are. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of hilarious. I know. I'm like. (laughs) So I'm just gonna instead of calling Corey out, literally Mm -hmm. something I worked on in therapy, not worked on like it's past, but you know we dealt with that for like an extended amount of time. Um, I was reminded of this earlier when Corey finished a book and she's like "Ah, I just needed to tell someone about it Uh yeah I was literally thinking about that I have a (laughs) who's an 8 and she will she's also Latina so like part of it is that too but she'll like get really passionate about something and she'll like she really is needs to express her feelings about something like I feel or I like it's so interesting to sit in a meeting when we're talking about like an issue that we have and there's a type two, a type eight, a type three, and, and then a type five. So we have two competency who are trying to deal with it logically. We have one who's trying to, um, what were, what was the, oh, positive outlook. Like how could we spin this positively so that it's not a negative thing? And then we have one reactive type. Uh-huh. 
But what's really funny about my eight coworker is that the more like she'll be like full on almost yelling and like your argument arguing and stuff. And she'll be like, this was really fun. We should do it again. And it builds trust with her. Like yes. the, that builds trust. It's really uh-huh. fascinating. So as a six, you seek both independence and support. Uh, they want someone to rely on, but they also need to be the strong one. You fear being abandoned and without support, but also becoming too dependent on others. You're very contradictory. Can I just say? <laughs> <laughs> that fear of abandonment. Yeah. Makes dating and real you deal fun. with others <laughs> by being committed and reliable while trying to maintain your independence. Uh, you are engaging, but also defensive. <laughs> I mean, this tracks for you, but like, <laughs> explain. Like, I'm so confused <laughs> by that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You could also call it being a Gemini, I guess. People always are like, you're still contradictory. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. I don't know what to yeah. tell well, you. Well, fun fact <laughs> my roommate is a four. And a Gemini. And she's very similar. <laughs> so. Yes. Imagine being in my head trying to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's confusing for you. Imagine being yes. me. So they <laughs> no. have this little like box at the end saying harmonic groups at a glance. The positive outlook group. Deny that they have any problems. And then there's like a quote for each type. Nine. What problem? I don't think there is a problem. <laughs> Two. You have a problem. I am here to help <laughs> you. Seven, there may be a problem, but I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The competency group. Cut off yes. and solve problems logically. Three, there's an efficient solution to this. We just need to get to work. God, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> One, I'm sure we can solve this like sensible, mature adults. Five. <laughs> There are a number of hidden issues here. Let me think about this. <laughs> um, and I'm saying that to this book. Not the reactive group strongly and need response from others. Six. I'm feeling really pressured and I've got to let off some steam. Four. I'm really hurt and I need to express myself. Eight. I'm angry about this and you're going to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. <laughs> well, this has been fun. I mean, uh, that's all the, the deep stuff. <laughs> what we're gonna talk about next is fun. <laughs> is it meme time? Is it meme time? Yes. Unless is it meme it time? Is. <laughs> this is as we slowly descend into madness so, I mostly just wanted to talk about my I think I think she's my favorite Enneagram account um, and that is Liz at Rude Ass Enneagram oh, Rude Ass Enneagram is incredible it's so amazing she does fire memes that hurt you and make you laugh at the mm-hmm. same hugging time we send them to each other on our Instagram DMs. Yeah, Constantly. it's literally never stops. And um, what's so great, too, about 
Liz, is that um, she's an eight. She was mis- She said she mistyped herself for most of her twenties, <laughs> um, and so then she found out that she like she realized that she was an eight. But she does probably one of the best social um, media types of things for an eight to do that runs an Enneagram account, and she does this thing called Tough Love Tuesdays. And so on mm-hmm. Mondays, she goes on her stories and is like, submit, like put your type and submit a tough love problem here. Like uh, something you would like to hear tough love on. And then on Tuesday, she goes and she goes and she just talks about, like she chooses one. She used to do two for each type, but she's apparently poor at time management. And she lives on the, that's it. she says it herself. <laughs> and and so she'll like start way too it. late and she's on the East coast and she'll like be up until one or two in the morning, like doing these things because she really values <laughs> like their response. Like it's really important to her. Um, and they're just, they're great. I tend to skip through most of them that aren't my type. Um, mm-hmm. As we I all think, do. Yeah, we all do that. As we all do. And truthfully, whenever there's like all nine of them, I only yep. do the three, five, and <laughs> six. I'm like, I just yep. want to see what my friends are in me. Okay. But I think, <laughs> and and so they're really cool. You can also write her um, a tough love request and like mail it to her if you wanted to. But oh. I also think I'm biased because she said that one of her favorite types is a five, um, which is why <laughs> types is an eight. <laughs> I wonder if it's because we're so like our numbers are so connected, but um I also go to Aiden Health and so I like strive to be that person. So I just really like them. Um not to say I don't like all the other numbers. I do. Mm-hmm. Um but I think she it's like for being Love on it. a meme page, there's some really surprising truth bombs that just happen out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. She was doing like a hot take. And that became a trend on TikTok. She did it on Instagram. I think she called it Spicy Take Saturday or something like that. I don't remember where you were, though. I'm sorry. We'll just, um, hey guys, we had some technical difficulties and we don't remember where we were. So, yes. I was just finishing up that And how, oh, her hot take on fives were that uh, they're the most emotionally sensitive, which. I would never think of and I am one but once she right you know that ignorance is bliss until self-awareness like once I realized it I'm like oh uh-huh. I am yep so all that to say please check out Rudess Enneagram on Instagram and I think she has a TikTok too yes anyways any other thoughts oh my gosh Memes. so good things you like um, one of my favorite meme pages is Enneagrammable, mm. um, because they are two a throughing two, <laughs> um, lots of and it's very chaotic, no rhyme or reason for anything. <laughs> uh, like it's just like oh man, like so, sometimes there are nine. It's like literally, it's like the memes are one, then six, then seven, then four, then nine slash one, then nine. Then four, then seven slash eight, then three. It's just like they're all over the place, and I love that. Like it's great. Yay. But um, I saw one this morning, and I was like, "Wow, if that ain't me, it's so upsetting." Um, you know when you tap a YouTube video, 
to see how much longer it's got left. I wish you could do that to people when they're mm. talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, the, oh the caption is, it's the efficiency for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, and I was like, oh, yes. um, also there's a really fun um, little website that one of my students former students introduced to mm-hmm. me it's called the personality database um, where you can type in your like your Enneagram or your Myers-Briggs or whatever and then you can see p- celebrities that are have that suspected oh. type but then also like Fiction I characters think, that have I that think I've seen well. this one because my friend and I were watching Virgin River and we wanted to settle an argument. Yes. So um, <laughs> I have finally come up Love with it. found a, a fictional character that I'm like, I am proud that I am the same type mm-hmm. as this person, which is Tahani from The yes. Good Place. I love Yes. That. And I'm like, good. Yes. Good. <laughs> This is ex- like this is the first time I've so been like good. yes yeah finally because <laughs> every other time it's like a villain <laughs> yes I will keep this one <laughs> like, or like a terrible person oh, um, but then yeah. I just like for funsies was looking yeah. up uh, you know Hosey like our good friend of the podcast yes. Andrew yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andrew friend Hosey of the podcast um he's a four wing five apparently and i'm like that checks out interesting yeah this is like voted on by people you know like we and it's all in great fun you know like oh yeah let's go let's good times um and then just for fun i was looking up uh you know other friend of the podcast adam driver Uh, (laughs) anybody (laughs) want to take a guess at what people voted i just looked and i agree with that you don't a nine wing eight yeah i'm like i would i would say more huh. along the lines of a eight yeah. wing nine i would say that again okay like no no very like assertive but also like i don't want to deal with anybody else's problems mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right yeah. like I, yeah. I got my own shit to deal with just a yeah, straight I, up eight. I would say, like I, I would know. think. Uh, yeah. Oh, one last or another good meme account is Fun Enneagram. They take your favorite scenes from TV shows and movies and overlay it with Enneagram stuff. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yes, what? It's so good. <laughs> I do. I send them to you. Sarah all the sends time. them to I us all the time. To, um, my friend who's a seven because it was um a scene from Arrested Development. Oh, and it was yes. um, sevens and it's oh i followed uh, them. will arnett i just thought we could hang out and it's a five making a weird face and shutting the door like <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yes perfect Fitz creek david rose threes in case you didn't know i'm wildly popular <gasps> yep. and so, yeah <laughs> yes. god yes sixes it's creed exactly my tombstone's already made thank you (laughs) (laughs) creed from the office yes yes oh yeah Yeah. oh yeah so absolutely um, oh my gosh and the only other thing if you guys have anything you want to say about the enneagram new takeaways anything that changed your world your life um you know uh the more I live with the Enneagram, the more I learn more, learn about myself. And uh, it's a deeply uncomfortable <laughs> process. 
Yeah, I will say it's not like a personality mm-hmm. test where you can take it and go mm-hmm. like, cool. I'm this, I'm, I'm these four letters done. Like you have to like either take it and then completely ignore it or actually do the work and doing the work yeah. is not, I mean, it's worth it. But oh my God. <laughs> but is it fun? Probably not. <laughs> not even, yeah. As, As you've you heard, heard us just through this last hour and a half. Or <laughs> As I was reading. Grown. Um, for- <laughs> I guess if you guys want. Are serious? These are absolute tomes. They're textbooks that I was reading from tonight. I don't, unless you're really into it, uh, you don't have to buy them. Um, but it's called The Complete Fair. Enneagram by Beatrice <laughs> Chestnut and then The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Don Richard Riso and Richard Hudson. So just figured I'd tag, I'd include my sources. All right. Thank you. Perfect. That was a wonderful five. Yep. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. What are we um, loving this week? This new lipstick I got in my Kinder Beauty box. It is nice. such a beautiful color. It's a berry color, but it's different than any other berry color that I own. And I'm obsessed. So. It's really pretty. It's the one I sent in a a picture this weekend, I think. Or I was wearing a flannel shirt. (laughs) Like I said, you've seen it. Okay. I saw it. Yes. That's great. Um, I have two great new products. Uh, that I would be recommending to everybody right now. <laughs> Numero uno. Um, everybody's wondering why I'm so glowy. Yes, in this audio medium, that is exactly what they're wondering. <laughs> Shut the fuck Yes. Up. Sorry, I'm feeling particularly... <laughs> Continue. So, um, I found a new thing. It's I, I, I don't know how it's pronounced, uh, but we'll try our best. I think it's called it's called it's by Doctor Jart, and it's called the Sika Pear Color Correcting Cream or some shit like that. And so, basically, Ooh. what this shit yes, is, yes, yes. is moisturizer and color corrector slash like weird like non foundation foundation and SPF all in one. So, for the past week, I've only been wearing that and no foundation. And it's nice, kind of incredible. Like, and by kind of, I mean, what the fuck? How come I didn't know about <laughs> it before? Um, it's really great. It's really fabulous. I love it a lot. And I bought a big version because I got a small version for free at Sephora. And now I have a new one. And I'm getting it. Anyway, um, I bought it because I was sad. Um, other things that I bought that because I was sad. Good. But I didn't know it at the time. And now I'm like, ah, oh, thank God I bought it. I bought the coziest pillow. <laughs> That's literally yes. what it is called. The brand is the coziest <laughs> pillow. And it is like a body pillow. But like two body pillows connected at the, by a <laughs> pillow up at the top. So, or like the boyfriend pillow. It looks like, like those pregnancy, pregnancy pillows. Yeah, exactly. Um, with like yeah. movable legs and shit. And as a side sleeper, 
I have not had as good of posture ever in my mm-hmm. life I directly coming out mm-hmm. of bed because like the way it's arranged is like I can actually sleep upright on my side <laughs> it's crazy yes. um, so it's it's pretty fabulous it. pretty fabulous um also I got it on sale so uh yeah uh so product products products consumerism capitalism (laughs) uh i i I bought a lot of things thank you i'm gonna Mm -hmm. of course of course okay i am loving (laughs) guys before she waxes poetic about it can we talk about how she was like i don't get it why are people when she first started reading this book uh-huh uh-huh i still uh-huh. none of us do about. except for Corey, because she's read it <laughs> okay but because right the, okay <laughs> so um i will say this the first book a court of Ro- a court of thorns and roses is a little slow to start and everyone on tiktok is talking about this whole series and is like obsessed and i was like sarah i don't get it and then about <laughs> uh a fourth of the way in <laughs> shit hits the fan and then i got it <laughs> and I consumed the second book, which is 623 so pages. Of her, guys. <laughs> she did so good. A Court of Mist and Fury. Uh, so now I'm going to work on the third book, A Court of Wings and Ruin. And the fourth book, is, which I can't remember what it's called, like A Court of yep. something. Anyway, they're all A Court of. So people. Um, oh, and it's by Sarah J. Moss. And she has a bunch of different series. So I can't wait to read all of them because her writing is fantastic um but the thing is mariah i can't tell you what they're about because it will ruin shit for sarah because it's like you could say things like it's this trope but you can't say what the trope is because then it's a spoiler let me just ask if i like raylo would i like it okay great 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 yep Mm-hmm. Basically, the premise of the story is there is a, a human female named Feyre, and she lives in a world where the world is split in half. The, the top half of the world is owned and run by, run by fairies. There's a big wall, like a magical wall that separates, and then the bottom half of the, half of the world is mortals and humans. And that came about through a war that happened like 500 years ago. And then Feyre accidentally mm-hmm. crosses the wall. <laughs> And goes into the court of fairies. And shit just keeps happening. And then there's just like all kinds of stuff. So anyway. I'm obsessed. It's great. Sounds like uh, a party. Yeah, I love it. It is. It's really wonderful. Okay. Are you ready I'm for so what we're going to talk about next week? We're going to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe's wonderful, <laughs> wonderful movie. Uh, oh, the I was like, I got excited just to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I was like, I'm reading, them. and I was very Watching intimidated. Them. I was like, oh, I know, so right? Many. So many. Yeah, no, we're gonna. So just to, well, we'll talk about it next week on how I landed on the Black Panther. But um, yeah, so guys, go watch Black Panther, and that's what we're gonna nice. watch and talk about next week. Well, um, let me. I guess I have to close it out now, don't I? All right. Well, thank you so much mm-hmm. for listening mm-hmm. to the Drive mm-hmm. Time Pod. Uh, we're a completely listener-supported podcast, meaning we make no money. So give us some. New episodes drop sometimes on Wednesdays, sometimes <laughs> weekly. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we try our best. We try. We try so hard. 
Um, so if you learned anything from us, a humble three, a totally secure six, and a very social five. Um, <laughs> Another t-shirt. <laughs> yep. But it's a t-shirt only for us. <laughs> oh, man. Come on. Hey, sorry. You should just take a test, <laughs> see what you're, what you are, and really, uh, truly hate the process. <laughs> Come out better on the other side, and then you know, talk to us on the Instagrams or the uh, the the emails or on the Anchor, where you can find us all um, at the Drive Time Pod. I forgot to say that. Anyway, bye. Um, bye. <laughs> <laughs>